Radio Maria England presents Lent People, presented by Monsignor Tony Rogers. Hello, this is Tony Rogers and you're listening to The Lenten People for Radio Maria England. During this series, over the next six weeks, I'll be focusing each time on one of the people who crop up and feature in the Lenten Sunday Gospels in years A, B and C. And I hope that by reflecting on these characters we might just understand ourselves a little bit better. So I'd like to begin with a prayer. O God, rich in mercy, you so loved the world that when we were lost, you sent your only Son for our deliverance. Raise us up with Christ and make us rich in good works, that we may walk as children of light toward the Paschal Feast of Heaven. We make our prayer through our Lord Jesus Christ, your Son, who lives and reigns with you in the unity of the Holy Spirit, God forever and ever. Amen. Shortly after I was ordained, I I ventured, with good reason, into two buildings that I'd never visited before. One was a synagogue, and the other a Masonic lodge. So let me explain. In the parish in which I worked, I came through parishioners to know and become friends with a lovely Jewish family, who were kind enough to invite me to their son's bar mitzvah. I went to it with two other Catholics, a married couple. We arrived early, we took our seats, as we would do in church, only to find that husband and wife were soon separated in this small Orthodox synagogue, with men on one side and women on the other. Now, everything about the service seemed strange to me. I understood no Hebrew, and I was slightly shocked that people were talking during the rabbi's sermon, and they were also talking at the point at which the bar mitzvah boy went up and read his portion of the law. Though there was nothing wrong at all in what was happening, my unease came from unfamiliarity and a feeling that I didn't really belong. And before I forget, what about the Masonic Lodge? Well, the reason I went there was because it was very close to our cathedral in Northampton where I was working. Its catering facilities were good and diocesan functions were often held there. But nonetheless, first time round, I felt a bit uncomfortable. The symbolism was unfamiliar, and once again, I felt out of place. I'm sure you've had similar experiences. People who are outside the Catholic Church often describe their first time at Mass in one of our churches and how ill at ease they might have felt. Now, you might remember back in the 1980s, when the then Lord Chancellor, Lord Mackay of Clashfern, a member of the Free Presbyterian Church of Scotland, uh, the Wee Frees, was summoned before a synod of his church because he had shown support for the doctrine of Roman Catholicism by attending the funeral of one of his Catholic colleagues. And this was what the Second Book of Kings referred to as 
bending the knee in the house of Rimmon. In other words, he had overstepped the mark. Well, where's this man going, you might ask, with his ramblings about synagogues and Masonic lodges and Lord Chancellors? Well, the one thing they've all got in common is foreign territory. And I want you to read to you a passage from St. John's Gospel about a man who ventured into foreign territory. His name was Nicodemus. And our reading begins in the first verse of chapter 3. Now there was a Pharisee named Nicodemus, a leader of the Jews. He came to Jesus by night and said to him, Rabbi, we know that you're a teacher who's come from God, for no one can do these signs that you do apart from the presence of God. And Jesus answered him, Very truly I tell you, no one can see the kingdom of God without being born from above. Nicodemus said to him, Well, how can anybody be born after, after having grown old? Can one enter a second time into his mother's womb and be born? And Jesus answered, Very truly, I tell you, no one can enter the kingdom of God without being born of water and the Spirit. What's born of the flesh is flesh, and what's born of the Spirit is spirit. So don't be astonished that I said to you, You must be born from above, because the wind blows where it chooses, and you hear the sound of it, but you don't know where it comes from or where it goes. So it is with everyone who is born of the Spirit. And Nicodemus said to him, How can these things be? And Jesus answered him, Are you a teacher of Israel, and yet you don't understand these things? Very truly, I tell you, we speak of what we know and testify to what we have seen. Yet you... Do not receive our testimony. If I've told you about earthly things and you don't believe, how can you believe if I tell you about heavenly things? Just a reminder, I'm Tony Rogers and I'm presenting The Lent People and you're listening to Radio Maria England. So, here we have a man who risked breaking ranks. Nicodemus was a Pharisee, a Jewish leader, a man of standing in his community, a quintessential upright, learned Jew. So what was he doing going to see Jesus? We sense immediately that his visit was furtive because he went at night, after supper had finished. I'm sure you've been up to doorways and thought twice before ringing the bell. He would have been worried if lights were on in neighbouring houses, so the darker it was, the safer he felt. Like Lord Mackay, if he was spotted going into a house where Jesus was, it could lead to accusations of collaborating with the enemy. Nicodemus was a pillar of the establishment, and Jesus was a pretender, an upstart, 
a man who questioned the conventions and practices around him. So Nicodemus must have had a really good reason for meeting, even if it was under cover of darkness. And very quickly we understand that he did have good reason, because what intrigued him about Jesus was the fact that he had worked signs. Now signs were John the Evangelist's word for miracles. He acknowledged that Jesus was a teacher who'd come from God, but what impressed him most was that he was a miracle man, and anyone who worked miracles had to be a man of God. Nicodemus must have been must have thought that he hit the right note with his opening remark when he said, I see you're a teacher who do wondrous things. But Jesus' first words to him must have come as an almighty shock. No one can see the kingdom of God without being born from above. They must be born again through water and the Spirit. Jesus is challenging Nicodemus to be born again spiritually. In other words, to be open to the promptings of the Holy Spirit in his life. Now, Nicodemus is well disposed, but I reckon he's only got half faith. He sees and he marvels at the miracles, but he misses the Messiah in his midst. He's like somebody who's dipping his toes in the water, but who's afraid of going out into the deep. He came to Jesus in the darkness, but he needs to move towards the light. He wasn't just in the darkness of the night, but he was in a, a darkness of belief. He's come so far with Jesus, but he's got a long way to go before he encounters the dawn. Now at this point, the Gospel doesn't make it clear whether he made any progress in faith, but it seems that at this point he hadn't. The big obstacle for him was this notion of being born again, because he only seemed to be able to understand it in a physical sense. He wondered how on earth a grown man could go back into his mother's womb and be born a second time. He came to Jesus in the dark, and it seems that he left him in the dark. And that's where we come in. The Gospel passage is also about our meeting with Jesus. It's as if we're alongside Nicodemus, and Jesus is inviting us as well to a deeper faith. He's inviting us to faith in himself and giving us the reasons for doing so. Jesus is sent into our world by his Father. That's his credential. He's showing us God's love. And that's most evident when that love leads him to the cross for our sake. He was lifted up on the cross and that's what's lifted up countless generations in their state of confusion and darkness into God's wonderful light. So if we go back to Nicodemus, we can see a man with a furrowed brow trying to get a grip 
on the meaning of being born again and seemingly failing. The passage we've heard leaves us staring at a puzzled man and we are left wondering, well, what happened to him? Did he move from darkness to light, from partial faith to full faith? Happily, we come across him twice again in John's Gospel. On the first occasion, he, a Pharisee, defends Christ against his fellow Pharisees. He publicly stands up to his own kind. He demands that Christ has a fair hearing rather than instant arrest. And that's the moment when we know he's on the Lord's side because his colleagues derisively dismiss him as a Galilean, one of them, one of that lot. And curiously enough, that was both an insult and an accolade. But the second time, he's definitely one of them. Not simply because he's been called that, but because he is. This time, he's in the midst of the disciples, preparing the body of Jesus for burial, bringing a mixture of myrrh and aloes for that purpose. He's come the full distance, overcome his confusion about being born again, moved from the shallow waters by the shoreline out into the deep. He's journeyed from darkness into daylight. He's his own man now, not coming furtively under cover of darkness, but someone prepared to take his stand publicly and courageously and to speak his mind. Now Lent is a time of journeying for us. Perhaps we're paddling around at the water's edge. Perhaps God's word and others around us are calling out, inviting us to take the plunge, to do and say what we've been afraid to do up until now. The journey for Nicodemus can't have been easy, but he is an inspiration to us all, not least because he mirrors the struggles we so often have with our faith. So let's pray that, like Nicodemus, we're prepared to search and seek the truth through questions and reflection, and that, like Nicodemus, we may move from doubt and uncertainty into a faith that can live by and proclaim God's wonderful deeds. And let's pray that our hesitancy may take us from the shoreline to the deep and from darkness to light. And finally, that we may take our place and play our part in the life of our local church community, even in this time of isolation and lockdown. And let me end by saying, may the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God and the communion of the Holy Spirit be with us now and always. Amen.
Thank you for joining Monsignor Tony Rogers with the Lent People. This is broadcast every Tuesday at 8pm, Wednesday at 12.30am and again at 5.30am and again at 2pm, on Thursdays at 4pm and on Saturdays at 9.30pm. You can also hear this as a podcast at radiomariaengland.uk or on Spotify, iTunes or other podcast providers. Please join Monsignor Tony Rogers again next week for the Lent People.